Welcome to the Johnny Hot Socks Show, hosted by Johnny Hot Socks, a podcast exploring the success stories of inspirational and influential people across industries. Now, here's your host, Johnny Hot Socks. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a great guest, Courtney McPherson, is a mental health counselor and the owner of Lee Word Counseling, the South Shore's premier counseling clinic. Leeward Counseling has won the Best of Hanover Award and was named IFAH's Top 100 Leader in Healthcare. Courtney specializes in helping clients conquer overachievement, relationship issues, anxiety, and building confidence. Courtney, so pumped to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, it means a lot to me. I really, really appreciate it. So Miles, we'll just get into it. So Courtney, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like where were you born and raised? Yeah, so thanks for having me. Even though I asked you, I'm really excited <laughs> to be here. Um, I was born and raised, so I was born in Connecticut, but I grew up in Vermont. And so, yeah, not a lot of people know that about me. So I pretty much say I was like raised in Vermont. And I've been in Boston for, I don't know, 14 ish years. Oh, wow. Then. Yeah. And so when you, when you first went to college, you went to uh, Boston College, an undergraduate. So what made, I guess, first off, like what made you want to go to Boston? It's a big. Um, yeah. So I was a ski racer my whole life. And that's kind of why my family moved to Vermont. So I could like seriously pursue ski racing. And I, yeah, so I went to a school for just like, per, you know, like, um, competitive ski racers and snowboarders and I I mean I wanted to go to the best school I could get into with skiing and um, I luckily my athletics got me into Boston College and my mom went there too so it was something I had thought of for a long time but like yeah uh, everyone who knows me knows there's no way I would have gotten in without sports but yeah, BC has a division one, um, ski team. I'm in so. shock right now. This is like, this is mind boggling. I know. I told you there's a lot about me you don't know, but you're about to find out. So, okay. So you, so I'm assuming you wanted to go, I mean, like pro ski racer, pretty much. That was the goal and the mindset. Not really, honestly. Like I, I love competition and I think that's why I ended up starting my own business and working for myself. I love challenging myself but um I never really dreamed of going pro I definitely dream I definitely knew that I wanted to ski in college competitively but um no I mean I did I did cry when I saw the Olympics one year because I wasn't on it and I was never good enough to make it but that's okay I I can live with that (laughs) so you're at uh Boston College and now I'm assuming psychology is your major so your mindset, like, um, like I, I mean, I was a psychology major and I, I mean, there's no way I was going the long road. I was like, that's too, too much school for me. And I was like, eh, True. Billy got through. And so like, so for you, what did you want to do when you initially took psychology? Like, what was your mindset then? Yeah, well, there's, there's two big like reasons I got into psychology. Um, first of all, I loved sports psychology. And so that's what I initially wanted to, and I did pursue, I have a master's degree in sports psychology because I was like, wow, this is something I'm learning at school that's actually relevant to my life because I can go and use it on the weekends and I can 
perform better. Um, so that was like awesome. But I also um, ended up seeking therapy myself in college because I hit a really, really, really low point and it changed my life. And so, you know, I don't come from a family that's particularly open about that stuff. Um, but when I was a senior in high school, I lost my mom in a house fire and I never talked about it. I just kind of, you know, everyone was around you and it's great for a few months. And then all of a sudden, you know, life goes back to normal. So I finish out my spring senior year in Vermont. Um, I went to BC and I crashed. I was super depressed. I wasn't going to school. I wasn't really, you know, taking care of myself. I just was kind of getting up and existing every day. And um, my close family friends were really like, you need to find a therapist on campus. Like you can go, it'll be confidential. And um, that's what started, you know, me being mentally healthy and talking about my problems. And I just believe so much in it because I don't even know if I'd be here if I didn't seek therapy myself. So, you know, it was not only something that helped me with skiing, which was like my passion, but it was also something that I never really believed in. And I, I think the stigma is what prevented me from getting help for, you know, a year and a half after I lost my mom and I just got worse and worse. So, um, you know, I, that's why I love psychology and that's why I pursued it. I was very lucky to know what I wanted to do with it. So then you graduate and then you go to uh, BU, uh, School of Medicine. Wait, so how many, how many, and then, so you went there. So four years for um, BC and then how many years for? Uh, so, okay. So I have, a, I'm a master's level clinician. Yep. So I got into the school, um, I think it's, I think sports psychology was through the School of Education. So I started my first year in the sports psychology program, um, which was really cool. I mean, the, my like main professor was um, a sports psychologist for the Celtics. And then he went on to um, develop like a brain center for the Canucks hockey team. Wow. So like really someone who loves, I mean, you know me, I'm like yeah. sports junkie. I love it. It was, it was awesome for me. Um, but you know, there's, there's not a ton you can do with sports psychology. And I obviously was really passionate about the, um, the mental health day-to-day -day side of it too. So, you know, I, I applied to continue my education in the school of medicine to get a degree in, what is it called? I should know this behavioral, <laughs> behavioral, um, like behavioral health and, and medicine, pretty much, which would give me the coursework I needed to become a licensed therapist. So I could, you know, practice. Um, I'd have everything I needed to practice. So that was, that was another year and a half because I went summers. So it's technically like three years master's degree. <laughs> yeah. So, so you graduate and like, where's your mindset now? Um, would you first apply to like, what was, what was going on? Well, when you graduate, um, you can't just go right into having your own private practice. You have to work under someone else's license for two years. So I worked um, 
you kind of have to pay your dues. So, you know, I've, I've worked in lots of different communities. I did outreach therapy, which is going to people's houses, um, which is very, it's great because you can see them in their environment. You know, they show up. A lot of people don't have access to it, but, you know, it can be scary at times, you, can, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, again, I paid my dues. So I worked for... I worked for two years doing outreach therapy and working under another person's license before I went into private practice on my own. So I worked, so I work in the South shore. So I've been in, um, Weymouth, Plymouth, Duxbury, and then I started private practice in Hanover, Mass. So let's talk about that. So, I mean, you always, was it always like, Hey, I want to open my own place. Like that was your, so it's always been there. Yeah. I'm not good at structure and other <laughs> people's structure. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's an entrepreneurial spirit, but um, you know, that was definitely a big like lifestyle appeal of going into this for me was that I can make my own schedule. I can be my own boss. Um, you, you know, like I'm in control of, of, of how hard I work and how much, you know, how many clients I can see and all that. So I definitely always, always had the dream of doing private practice and owning a company. So that's from day one. So I don't know, how do you even own, I mean, how do you pursue owning a practice? Like, how does that even start? I'm assuming that some things have to, you know, happen. So, and obviously it's a big risk. I mean, you know, owning your own business is like, Hey, you have to put money up front. I have to like, obviously get a database of clients. So like, how was the hustle in the beginning? How did that start? And yeah, so I was pretty, I was pretty lucky because I had a pretty good network on the South shore of different doctors and other therapists and guidance counselors that would refer to me. Um, and I definitely think that's, you know, a big part of any business is networking, whether you call it it or not. Um, sometimes it's just connecting with people, you know, and it happens to become networking. Um, but I mean, there's other online platforms where you can advertise yourself. Yeah. And um, I mean, that was definitely a fear. I was definitely like, okay, what if nobody shows up? <laughs> like that could happen. Yeah. Nobody could show up, but you know, I mean, luckily I, I had a wait list and I was also intentional because the South Shore has a huge need. There's not enough mental health providers for people that are seeking therapy, which is just a huge systematic concern if you ask me because people are actually saying, hey, I want help and everyone's too busy yeah. to serve them. So um, luckily that, that was scary and there's a lot of logistics and I'm not a very organized person but I, um, you know, it's, it's, I had no idea what I was getting into when I started a company <laughs> at all. I mean, I'm sure this is a broken record of if you interview entrepreneurs, but there's so many different hoops to jump through and so much personal growth you have to do um, with it all and, and things you have to figure out and things you have to just do on your own until you can pay someone to do them. So yeah, so, still figuring it out. Still. <laughs> so now how many people do you have uh, on the team? 
I have, oh, that's a good question. We just hired someone. <laughs> I think seven. Yeah, seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we have a director of operations, a supervisor, and other clinical therapists. Yeah. That's crazy. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge growth. And now, obviously, that's, I mean, I think now more than ever is, is the time where mental health is huge. I mean, like I've seen posts, I mean, everyone's talking about it. Um, I'll go into my own personal story. So I know Courtney through her husband, Mike McPherson, who's a stud muffin, great head of hair. <laughs> and so I, I went through a breakup in the um, uh, beginning of COVID, I'll just say that. And I was like, I, you know, I don't know, you know who to reach out to, but you know what? I'll be honest about it. Um, people need someone to talk to. That's someone like unbiased that has no clue about you. And that will give you like an honest answer. I feel like if you go to friends and family, it's good, but it's like kind of annoying at the same time. And then it's like, you know, too much information. So I know obviously there's a stigma out there. It's like, oh, this is like kind of weird. Like, I feel like I don't need help. I'm fine. You know, that's what everyone says. And I guarantee people listen like, oh my God, that's crazy. But I, I'm going to be honest. I think now more than ever, I don't care how happy you are, whatever you're going through in life, every, in any situation, it's great to have someone like in the kind of like the, you just call and say, hey, hey, X, Y, and Z happen. It's like, what do you think? And um, so I actually um, inboxed Courtney and I was like, hey, X, Y, and Z happened. She's like, give me a call. So I talked to her and uh, she's like, all right, well, you know, get an appointment. And then uh, sent me from the heavens, Amanda Messenger, who was one of the um, people on our team. And um, she's like, you're going to like her. She's awesome. And Amanda's awesome. And it's like, it's not what people perceive like sitting down, talking to someone is. It's like, you know, you see movies where it's like, I don't even know how to explain what I'm trying to say. Like she's cool and easygoing. It, it's not like it doesn't feel weird or uncomfortable, uh, very relatable. And um, yeah, so I've been sitting here for a while. She's awesome. And uh, no, it helps out. It like helps out like, hey, I'm thinking this. Oh, you know, it should make you see like, hey, maybe you can see th things differently. What if you did this? What do you think about this? And it's just, uh, it's, been, it's been awesome. So um, definitely, definitely five-star reviews across the board. Um, and, uh, that's part of our business model too, yeah. is, you know, like I, I really know my resistance to therapy was that purse, that old person. I mean, nothing against older people, yeah, but you know, judging you yeah. rolling their eyes, you know, like saying nothing, you know? And so we're really intentional about hiring. Like we hire for personality first and clinical skill set just as important, like but you can't even, no one's going to talk to you if they don't like you, period, end of story. It doesn't matter if you're Freud himself, so, <laughs> Uncle you know, like that is a huge feedback we've heard. And that's something that I think is so important for people accessing therapy is like, can I talk to this person? Like I talk to a friend, can I feel myself with them? Um, because then you're not going to open up and then, you know, one bad therapy experience can make people say here all the time, I tried therapy and it didn't work Yeah. when it could be one person, it could be one style, but, um, that's a consistent thing we've seen with the most successful therapists are people that are non-judgmental, personable, friendly themselves, you know, they can, uh, banter with you and they yeah. can be sarcastic if you're that type of person. So, um, I mean, that's, that's really important, I think. So I know we started, I think you asked me a question in the beginning. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think now more than ever is like the biggest, there's a lot going on. I mean, I think like everything, I don't even we're gonna like pinpoint certain things. Um, so like, I, I guess now 
why, I guess in your eyes, why is it so important now more than ever to seek, you know, help? Um, well, I mean, a few things, first of all, like you don't have to have a problem to go to therapy. You don't have to hit a rock bottom. You don't have to be desperate. You don't have to be in a crisis. I mean, another part of our business model is using mental health counseling as self-care or maintenance, you know, even just learning about yourself, like even what can make you go from good to better, what can keep you sharp, what can help you um, deepen your relationships or, or achieve greater success. So I think there's that, you know, I think people feel like they have to reach a rock bottom to go to therapy and then there's the stigma. But um, I mean, right now there's, there's, 2020 COVID crazy world. And then there's just the way society's progressed anyways, with the comparison of social media, it's very cliche to talk about, but it's very real. I mean, I can't tell you how many clients talk about the expectations on them, the, the shoulds, the, this person has life X, Y, and Z, and I don't. And then I think you add what's been going on in the world with this separation. And there's so many different layers to it. I mean, I think a people are really good at distracting themselves. And so now they can't distract themselves and they're sitting with their problems. They're sitting in their homes or having to deal with the people they live with. They're having to deal with their thoughts. Yeah. Um, and it's really easy to avoid those things. But I also think then you're taking away any sort of real connection too. So we just have even more of this fabricated online connection that's so skewed. So, you know, it's, it's, there's been a lot of silver linings, but it's also been very, very trying. I mean, people are so separate. People are so angry. People are, have less security in their lives and that's making them super vulnerable and acting out in all sorts of ways. So I mean, I could go on and on about why it's so important now, but I also think it's always been important. Yeah. I think it, that's like saying like, why should we work out now? <laughs> yeah. You know, like our bodies have always needed it. Yeah. You know, like um, it's the same thing with mental health. I do agree with that. I, I think maybe now since everyone's home, it gets more of a spotlight because I've seen ads on Instagram. and I, I think like the number you can call and like, it's been more and more and more people are talking about it openly than I, I think like it used to. And I think it's, it's, it's crazy how, I mean, society obviously has shifted. So it's, and it's now like mental awareness, uh, mental health awareness. I, I saw a post from somebody yesterday. And I think it's a day actually dedicated to it. So it's like, and then I think more, um, I'd say famous people are more, more so are coming out. I remember when Kevin Love, he, he plays a basketball player and he came out and said, Hey, I have this or people, NBA players played in the bubble. They're like, dude, I, you know, I've been struggling with mental health. I just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when it's like, it has to be a celebrity almost to like be vulnerable to come out and say, Hey, this has happened to me personally. Like this is real and I've gotten help. And like, yeah, maybe I have all the money in the world. I have all these things, but I need help. I need to talk to someone. I need that. And it, it's, it's, um, it's cool to see that too. I, I think, I mean, celebrities do have a huge impact on things and you know, like they do a post. I mean, it gets millions and millions of views. And people say, hey, you know, oh, Kevin Love's doing that? Oh, I, I can do it. Oh, Kevin Love does it. It's totally fine. I feel like it's like, yeah, it's, it's totally cool now. It's totally, like he's doing it. Especially a, I mean, everyone needs it. And everyone, a lot of people struggle with the stigma of it. But I found especially 
men yeah. that see themselves as like hypermasculine. And I mean, like what in, in a lot of people's opinion is more that like masculine tough guy than, than a pro athlete. So, you know, I, I find that like guys don't talk to their friends as deeply and emotionally as women do typically. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they do, but often they don't. So like that, I mean, I think that demographic too is even, you know, super powerful to see a male athlete being vulnerable emotionally. Yeah. And uh, I agree with that. Men like, just, they don't talk about things. I don't need a therapist. You get a joke. Come on. I don't need them. Fine. It's like, yeah, I'm just having a bad day. It's like, but it's like, you're not dealing with things. Um, and I know you specialize in like, you help clients with like uh, conquer overachievement, uh, relationship issues, anxiety, and building confidence. Can you touch base on some of those topics? Sure. Um, I mean, I see mostly young adults through, you know, through adulthood, um, I've seen all sorts of people throughout my career, couples, families, um, pretty much everything under the sun, but that's kind of where my specialties lie. And I feel like they're just very, very typical problems that almost everyone struggles with. I mean, find me a human being that hasn't had a relationship issue. Even, even if it's like, okay, yeah, I married my high school sweetheart. There's a relationship in your life you struggle with. Um, there's an area in your life you haven't always felt the most confident in. Um, there's body image or so, some sort of image issues that people have struggled with. And we're just not taught these skills. So a lot, you know, like in school, you might learn the, you know, eight, eight n numbers of pi, but you don't know how um, to, you don't learn how to communicate. No one teaches yeah. you these practical skills. So, I mean, there's so much, is there anything specific you want to know on any of those topics? Um, I, this actually curious. Like to you, I mean, you've seen a bunch of clients, like what's the biggest thing for like relationship issues? Like what, what are some like the biggest things that you see that um, I guess relationships go through? Yeah. I mean, so I've seen everything from, somebody who's perpetually single and they really, really, really want a relationship or they're wondering why they don't want a relationship and they feel societal pressure too, to like marriages that are, you know, falling apart or, you know, second marriages or long-term relationships. So, Anyways, there's so many different aspects of it, but I also think the biggest thing, if I had to sum it up, is that um, people don't have the skills to understand what being with another person is really like and the patience it takes because I've, I find like the habit with relationships a lot of time is like you think there's just this perfect person that will come into your world and everything will just click and it'll be easy. And like, that is just never how a good long-term relationship works. You, you know, you have to learn how to learn about the other person. You have to learn how things change when everyone's like off their best behavior and the honeymoon phase is over. <laughs> and, you know, you have to understand what you, is most important to you and what you can work with in a, in a relationship to another person, you know, and, and I always say the biggest thing to look for in a, another person you want to be in a romantic relationship with is their openness to change. Yeah. So if you're with somebody who's rigid, you can almost guarantee the relationship's not going to get better. Yeah. 
So yeah, and then good know. foundation, and then uh, um, yeah. So then, um, next topic would be anxiety. So I guess like what I mean, I guess I can't really say specifically what anxiety things, but like when you talk to clients with anxiety, what are some coping methods or what type of things do you see with them? Yeah, there's so many different types of anxiety, and there's so many things that people are okay with that is actually anxiety, like anger is actually anxiety. Anxiety is often fueled by insecurity too. You know, if you're like, oh, okay, like I'm anxious around groups of people, you know, it's, it's, there's so many layers to anxiety. There's so many types of anxiety. Um, so many ways anxiety can manifest. Like people sometimes have these fears and it's, it's something deeper deep down or like an unresolved trauma. So again, there's a lot to anxiety, but I, if I had to say the biggest coping skill is pay attention to what you're saying in your head, like your head and your thoughts are where you live. And it's so easy to focus on all the things in your world, making you anxious when it's honestly your self-talk, your chatter that determine is the lens you see the world through. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. if you really stop and listen to what you're saying to yourself, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about the world, that's going to determine what is making you anxious when it's really you making you anxious. Totally agree. Um, so what, I mean, I guess you could say besides therapy, which I think is 100% real, but what, what things could like, could people do on a daily basis that could help them change? Like, I mean, I, I mean, I started reading. I never, I've never read a book in my entire life. Reading cool books, um, well, audio books. I, mean, that's, I don't really need to read the pages, but <laughs> that counts. That counts. <laughs> um, Wim Hof. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's cool. I did the bridge. So the, I do the breaths every morning, and then, well, I mean, I guess working out because working out does actually like get rid of some stress, gets rid of things. So yeah, what are the methods um, have you seen like clients do that have helped or? Yeah, outside of therapy. So. Mm-hmm. First of all, I mean, statistically working out does the same for your brain chemically as taking antidepressants. So yeah, there's, I mean, (laughs) yeah, keep working out. Um, Even if you can't go to the gym or anything, something's better than nothing. So, you know, if you go for a 20 minute walk with your dog, that's better than doing nothing or being like, well, no, can't work out or don't feel like it or whatever. Um, But I think just talk to people, you know, like take a risk and open up to someone and talk to people. I mean, I'm a huge advocate of journaling. I think journaling, if, if, if you want to supplement therapy or you don't know if you're ready to go to therapy. Um, I also think sometimes people like you and I can be like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to attack my mental health. I'm going to get better. And like, you know, this is something that I've been dealing with recently. Sometimes you just need to slow down and like do less yeah, to achieve more. But, you know, those would be my biggest things for sure is, um, is, is journaling and talking to people and, and like working out. Perfect. So for new clients, I mean, so how can people reach out to you? How can they get a hold of you? Yes. So you can go to leewardcounseling.com. Um, we have 
all our information on the website. You can submit a request to set up an appointment. You can also email info at leewardcounseling.com. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram. And so we're in the South Shore, but we are uh, available via telehealth appointments and phone appointments. Perfect. So there's lots of different ways to access us if it sounds like it's a good fit for you. Perfect. Last part of the segment. So it's like the hot seat questions, just totally random, bizarre questions. So love it. Hot or cold showers? Scalding hot. My husband calls me Lucifer. <laughs> Mike, what was the last song you listened to? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Good, yeah. Um, it was probably something on the Kenny Chesney station on XM. There we go. Yeah. Are you a fan of Nickelback? <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> this one is a, I get the funniest answers on this one. I like, I'm not going to lie. I like catch myself being like, wait, I should have turned this off like 15 awesome. seconds ago. But I, I generally say no. I actually saw something on Instagram that's like, I'm so desperate to go to a concert right now. I oh go and they're not wrong. They have a ton of number one hit singles. Um, favorite movie? Um, Goodwill Hunting or Inception. Ooh, I like Goodwill Hunting. Favorite actor? Um, probably Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, my favorite. Um, favorite musician or band? Whatever it's. OAR. Of a revolution. It's like a 90s, like jam band all right all right i'll yeah. take a listen to them um favorite athlete since you are a huge uh, sports fan it's a big one yeah Ooh. i mean he's not an athlete but i just like love bill belichick stud like yeah i just he's his leadership is something for so long, I tried to be like, okay, like he's the type of leader I want to be. But as I've grown, I think I need to add a little more femininity to that. But um, yeah, I'm still mourning over Tom Brady. So it's kind of a sore subject. I'm actually pumped for him in Tampa Bay. Ew. No, listen, listen, I think that like no. they, had, they had a falling out. Gronk was actually going to get traded to Detroit Lions. I mean, I'm not like a professional in this stuff, but... <laughs> and he went to Tampa and then Gronky joined them. I'm like, let's go. They, I, to me, I think they've never given him the weapons that Tampa has. Well, for a long time. I mean, until he kind of had Randy Moss. Edelman is like one concussion away from death. Like, he, I know. I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm scared for him. He just, and, uh, you know, now he has tons of, I mean, he has tons of weapons. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how the Patriots will hopefully get, like, just, get like a free agent maybe. Just get someone, like a big tight end maybe for Cam. And like a receiver that just doesn't have 25 concussions a year. I mean, like. <laughs> I'm going to have my baby right around the time of the Super Bowl. So I'm kind of like, okay, with not making the Super Bowl this year. But that's yeah. the only year. That's the only year. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Speaking of athletes, I, I'm actually kind of, this is a good one. So did you see the last dance? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for me, like I, I was... I was, a, I was a huge Kobe fan growing up, massive fan of him and Shaq's. And then like, I, I kind of went LeBron joined the league. I'm like, I don't really like him. He just, he just flops everywhere. 
and I, I gain a lot of respect for, for LeBron. I'm like, dude, he's the, he's the best ever to do it. And this is prior to watching The Last Dance. And then I watched The Last Dance. I would be scared out of my mind to be on the same team as Michael Jordan. I just feel like he just winning is losing is not an option. He'll do whatever it takes to win. And now that LeBron has won the fourth ring, I mean, let's, they're, you know, very fair to repeat next year and they're making a bunch of signings. It's a big one. Who do you think is better? Michael Jordan or LeBron? I mean, okay, so I'll say, I'll start by saying basketball is not my like realm that I know everything about, but um, it's, I think just statistically, probably LeBron, but there's so much more. I like, it's hard for me not to look through the lens of a fan. Yeah. You know, who do I like better or who is better? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if you just look through the lens of like skills, LeBron's been able to go to all these different teams and start fresh with all these different players and kind of start from scratch and lead them in certain directions. The promised land. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like, okay, all you need is me. Yeah, I mean, it's true to me. He's, I, I think he's a freak of nature. I think every year just gets better and better and better. And it's like, I think he's thirty-five. I think he's yeah, he's the yeah, yes, he's and he's getting older. And he's he, technically on paper, he's the number one guy in the. In the I mean, it's obviously going to be begged to differ, but I mean, he's, as he gets older, he's still going to the championship, and then, which is incredible. It's like it's almost like Tom. It's like even though time has, has gone on, they, I feel like they've really adapted and like, you know, have grown and just keep getting better every, every year. And it's just like, what else can they do? It's I don't incredible. think Tom Brady's gotten better every year. Yeah. And no, no, I, I mean, I think he has hit like a little bit of a plateau, but. but I'm, I, I have to take my professional hat off when I talk about sports and become like a diehard Boston fan. If you asked me that and he was on the Pats, I'd be like, he's the goat. Like, <laughs> but no, no, I, I mean, it. last year statistically was his worst year. I mean, like, he, he, he can't count to four now. So, <laughs> you know, it's I'm like, how do you not know that? I'm like, come on, Tom. I, I think he is getting older. And I think football, I mean, I'm going to maybe some people get mad at me, but like football is more, a much harder contact sport. Oh, so, like, his yeah. body just, that's where I think LeBron's going to keep prospering. I think he's just, I think he's going to keep staying at the high level. I mean, you get hit. I mean, like, Edelman, I don't, I truly don't understand how he's still playing the league. I really don't understand that. Not a, a don't either it's yeah i'm like his he's brain he's looks a- like scrambled eggs yeah. <laughs> um, Love him. so uh what was your last meal um mike got takeout sushi Ooh. wait, wait i think yeah. wait, wait, hold on for a second i thought you can't eat sushi because the mercury I got the green light from my. That's a win. I guess they say like don't get like Seven Eleven sushi. Yeah, yeah, get like the cleanest. Like a net reputable place. Perfect. You can get it. Baby's gonna yeah. help beautiful. Everything's fine. Um, get judgment. <laughs> no, no, listen, it's okay. Hey, as long as the doctor said it's okay, it's fine. It's not like she's having like gallons of sushi. She had like a probably. I didn't wash it down with a vodka soda, so no. we're good. Yeah, I've seen I've seen pregnant women out, and I'm like, dude, you, you're drinking beer. I'm like, you have a baby. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like. Listen, I, I get it. But like, it's like, all right, I can't take nine months off. Like, it's like, you have a child. Well, just one. <laughs> one, one's more than enough. Um, <laughs> last book or current? Um, I'm really into like law of attraction, spiritual books and whatnot. Yeah, I'm reading that now. So actually. I'm half reading um, 
A Course in Miracles, which is 5,700 pages, so I can't do that all at once. And I'm um, reading um, audiobook, Gabby Bernstein, You Are the Guru. Perfect. So people check those out. Now some actually more serious questions. So what's the thing you, you, know, you wish you had known before you began, uh, began your career? Um, I think I wish I knew how much it would challenge me emotionally and it wasn't just concrete career stuff. I think to be an entrepreneur, you need to be a better version of yourself. And I don't know if that would have made it any easier, but I think that, um, maybe I would have been a little more prepared. What is your, um, your biggest failure and, and what did you learn from it? Hmm. So many failures, you know, <laughs> obviously. I think, I think the biggest, uh, I've had, you know, I've had struggles with employees and I think that the biggest thing I learned from it is to really be true to yourself and to really be confident in yourself and who you, even if you don't know anything, you know, be confident in who you are and what your intentions are, because that's something you don't need to learn, you know, if you have the right intentions and um, be patient, you know, it's, it's a journey and everyone wants success like that. So I think patience is huge. I mean, from a person that's wicked impatient, I've learned like just to be patient with things, with, with everything, with everything. So that's a, that's a huge one. Uh, who who's your big uh, biggest influence in your entire life? These are some good loaded questions. Just some, just some, yeah. Um, honestly, I'd have to say my husband because you know my parents. My parents were awesome, but you know throughout my career. Um, I think like he's been able to, well, it's hard for me as an athlete. Like I knew I've never, I have ADHD. I never was a straight A student. And so I think there was a little piece of me that's like, okay, I'm an athlete. I'm not an intellectual, um, platinum blonde hair doesn't help either. So, you know, I think he's always seen me as smart and capable and seen the, the best in me. That's really helped me and inspired me when I haven't seen the best in myself. Shout out to my stud muffin. Um, <laughs> what, what are you excited about now, both professionally and personally? Well, I'm having a baby in February. So that's huge. I'm definitely excited about that. I'm excited to be, um, you know, explore that side of me and not just be this like business person. I've worn that hat for so long whether it's athlete or career woman, um, you know, I think it's, I'm really excited to do that. And I think business wise, I'm really excited to just actually take a step back from like, like have my business run, but like get back to just a feeling of service and like be of service to my clients, be of service to my employees build like deeper relationships with my employees and my clients and like see where that takes the business. Cause I'm all, you know, for so many years, I'm like, 
business podcasts, business books, business coaches. And I, I think I need more, you know, to, to pause, especially like this kid's going to take up a lot of my time <laughs> and, um, you know, see if shifting that energetically makes everything flow a lot more easily instead of like, what can I do? What can I do? Love it. Uh, well, I, I appreciate your time today. Um, this is awesome. I'm really pumped I had you on. And um, so again, if anyone needs to reach out to Courtney and our team, leewardcounseling.com, well, www.leewardcounseling.com. And they have Instagram and Facebook and no excuses here. It's not, you can do phone calls, telehealth, and um, they're available. So Check them out. I'll put the links in the description below. And again, Courtney, really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is awesome.